One of these Sundays, I think we're going to have a competition with the kids downstairs to see who sings louder. All right? Um, I think they're going to smoke you. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31 is where we're going to be today. And I wanted to start out just by saying we are dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, some of the message today, it's probably going to be a little bit technical. We're, we're, we're going into each gift, trying to help you understand what they look like, how they're represented in the church. And I'm doing my best to just keep you engaged. And man, this is so important for us as a church to understand what the gifts are for, how they, uh, how they play out in real world situations. And um, so I'm going to do my best to keep you engaged, to keep you focused in on the message But I wanted to start out this morning by telling you about Jesus, okay? The main thing, the main reason why we do what we do. Our our deepest conviction at Grace Church is the fact that the whole Bible is about Jesus. Alright, some of you may have just thought, man, I thought that was just the New Testament. That's when Jesus showed up, when He was a baby born in a manger and we celebrate Him at Christmas. That's when Jesus came on the scene. No! Jesus existed before time existed. Okay, He always was. He always is. He always will be. Jesus is God. He is all over the Old Testament. He is all over the New Testament. This whole book is about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I like that song we just sang. It's time to wake up, church. All right? to sing and shout His praises. The whole Bible is about Jesus, and that's our deepest conviction here at Grace Church. Everything is about Christ. We love Jesus, we serve Jesus, we worship Jesus, and we proclaim Jesus as God who came to save us from our sins. So following Jesus as a church, following Jesus as individuals, it keeps us on track. It keeps us on on track. If, If... If we get our focus off of Jesus, we find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. So God created the earth. He created male and female. God gave us the earth to steward. But we, as a human race, we sinned against God. We are the traitor race. We betrayed God. The result was physical and spiritual death, and it was separation from God. God knew what a horrible mess we were in, But because of His great love and because of His great compassion, God came into human history as a man, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived without sin and He did a ton of ministry through the course of His life. At the baptism of Jesus Christ, if you remember in the Scriptures, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon Him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit to do ministry. He taught, He led, healed, administered, encouraged, preached, all with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He died on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for mine, which is a historical fact. Church, you have to remember, uh, atheists, they don't argue the fact that Jesus lived and that Jesus died. It's a historical fact. So you have to look to Jesus. You have to make a decision about whether or not, here's where people start arguing, did He come back to life? And I just happen to believe that He did. He is alive and well today. And you have to decide that. Because it is a historical fact that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and I believe 
He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and He's alive and well today. Jesus rose again. The Scripture tells us that He appeared to large masses of people for over 40 days to prove that He, in fact, had conquered sin, death, and He was, in fact, alive. Numerous eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then, Jesus ascended back up into heaven where He is alive and well today. And after He ascended into heaven, He sent the Holy Spirit. So now, the Holy Spirit of God indwells all of us who love and serve Jesus. If you love Jesus and you serve Jesus, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He comforts. He convicts. He guides us. And additionally, the Holy Spirit gives each of us as Christians the ability to do ministry. He gifts us. He gives you and I who love and serve Jesus a gift or gifts to do ministry. Some of us teach, some of us serve, some of us lead, some of us encourage. We've been empowered, we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the church, like ours, like Grace Church, is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It means you and I are the hands and the feet of Jesus to La Plata County. That's what it means. Today, today we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to the world. God is working in La Plata County through Christians who are empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit to do the ministry of Jesus to La Plata County. That's our mission. That's our mission, church. You and I. That's what it means to be the church. And each one of you is a part of it. Every Christian has ministry to do. Every single one of us. Every Christian plays a vital part and we're all gifted differently. The fact is, diversity is our strength. If everyone had the same gift, we'd be weak. Okay, We wouldn't accomplish much. But since we're so diverse, much more can be accomplished for the kingdom. So again today, we're going to look at a couple different gifts. And uh, we're going to look at a couple different gifts from the Spirit that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12, 27-31. So without further ado, let's just dive in. Okay, Verse 27 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, <clears throat> Now you are the body of Christ. Remember, he's, he's talking to a broken church in Corinth. This church was a mess. And Paul says, you are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. That's, that was my introduction. That's what I just talked about. You are the church. Some of us, man, we have some weird ideas of what the church is. We think it's stained glass windows. You know, we think it's like an, just a, a business or an organization. And Paul's saying, no, you People, you are the church. You are the body of Christ. What you do or what you don't do greatly affects the church. You play a vital part. And once again, it's why I called this series Worship. I believe the greatest way we can worship God as a church is for everyone to know their gift. And for everyone to be using their giftedness 
to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Let's not just play church. Let's be the church so people can know the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And I have to say, so many men, we miss this, fellas, because we think if we can't sing or, man, we, I don't know how to teach or, you know, we think it's just a couple things and that's what church is all about. Church ministry is so much bigger than that. Man, you know how to fix cars, you know how to cut wood, you know how to build homes, you know how to lead a business. God can use those things to build His kingdom. Man, you are gifted. You are gifted for God's work, for God's kingdom. Paul goes on in verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first. Okay, Paul, he gives the gifts that he talks about right here kind of a rank, or he gives them an order, showing that some gifts are more visible. Some gifts are more up front, usually the gifts pertaining to leadership. Other gifts are less visible. Okay, They're more like support type roles instead of leadership roles. So first of all, there are apostles. We're going to deal with that one today. Second, prophets. We're going to deal with that one in two weeks. That one's a, a widely debated issue. Uh, we're going to be dealing with that one in two weeks. Uh, thirdly, he says, teachers. We're going to look at that one today then miracles, then gifts of healing. We looked at those two last week. Helping, administering. We're going to cover those today. And various kinds of tongues. I'll deal with that one when we deal with prophecy in two weeks. Uh, Paul then asks some rhetorical questions in verses 29 and 30. He says, Are all apostles? What's the answer to that question? The answer is no. Okay, he's, he's just giving some rhetorical questions. Are, is everybody an apostle? No. Not all are apostles. Remember, we're all gifted differently. Are all prophets? Nope. Not everybody's a prophet. Are all teachers? Nope. Do all work miracles? Some do, but not all. Do all possess gifts of healing? Obviously not. Otherwise, we wouldn't need hospitals, right? Not everybody's gifted with healing. Do all speak with tongues? Once again, the answer is no. Not, not all Christians will speak in tongues. Some churches teach you that you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. Okay? That's false. That's not true. And we're going to deal with that in two weeks. And then he finishes with do all interpret, which is another gift. Everyone is different. And we're all gifted differently. Everyone has their own part to play in the body of Christ. We're not all the same. And to that you can say, Amen. I wish you all looked like me, alright? But you can't. Alright? Only I can look like this. That's a good thing. We all don't look the same. We're, not, we're different. And that is a good thing. It's a good thing. Diversity is our strength. Look at verse 31. Paul says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Other versions say the best gifts or the greater gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Now remember the context of these verses that we're dealing with. Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, and this church was abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everyone in the church... They wanted the showy gifts. 
Alright? They wanted to be up front. They wanted the glory, the fame. They wanted the flashy gifts like prophecy and miracles and healings. They all wanted to speak in tongues. They weren't concerned about what God wanted. They wanted fame. They wanted glory. They wanted the praise of men. Now remember in verse 1 of this same chapter, Paul said they were ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. In chapter 13, Paul's going to tell them that they're acting like children. They, They all wanted to be the flashy rock star, and Paul is rebuking them. They wanted the praise of men rather than the praise of God. And Paul's saying, listen church, you should long for the gifts that help to build up the church. That's what you should desire. That's what you should want. So so I have to ask the question, what are the higher gifts? What are the greater gifts? And let me just, let's, let's let the Bible answer that question for us, okay? It's going to be on the screen, but if you'd like to turn to Luke 22, verses 25 through 27, it says this, And He, Jesus, said to them, The king's of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at a table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I, Jesus, am among you as the one who serves. Who is greater than Jesus? Nobody. And he says, I'm a servant. Look at Mark 10, 42-45. And Jesus once again called them to him and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Man, that just punches our culture right in the nose. Like that is so counterculture. We all want to be the top dog. We're climbing the ladder. We want the praise of men. And in the kingdom, he says, the greatest is the servant. So what gift should we all truly desire? Jesus said the gift of being a servant. Like, wow, that's, that's crazy. I don't see many people lining up to be servants. Everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be patted on the back, glamorized, celebrated. No one thinks a servant is the greatest. Jesus, our God, was a servant. That's the gift we should truly desire. And honestly, listen, that's the gift that will make the greatest difference in La Plata County. When they see someone that has the ability to be the top dog, that has the ability to lord it over everyone, but instead he or she chooses 
this posture, it just it messes with people. messes with their mind. It's like, what in the world? You're serving me? I don't get it. Jesus had the ability to just snap his fingers and we would have just either been wiped out or, you know, he could have done whatever he wanted. He could have lorded it over us. He is God. But instead he served. I just, man, I think sometimes we, we don't comprehend that. Or maybe we don't appreciate that. Thinking about God who has all power at his disposal, washing his creation's feet, So we'll start with the gift of an apostle. There's a lot of confusion around this gift. So let me start by telling you about the office of an apostle. Okay, There were 12 men handpicked by Jesus Christ. And that number 12, it, it was set, it was established not to be added to in any way. That's why throughout the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, it keeps saying the 12, the 12, the 12. That number is set. Just like there were 12 tribes of Israel, there are 12 apostles in the New Testament. And additionally, we know that these 12 men were eyewitnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Him heal people, you know, feed thousands with a Lunchable. They saw Him die, and they saw Him after He had come back to life. So when... If you remember Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, one of the apostles betrayed him. Remember, he committed suicide. And they had to replace him, if you remember. They had to replace Judas Iscariot because they needed 12 men to be apostles. They chose a new apostle. And in choosing that, there was two criteria in Acts chapter 1. An apostle had to be an eyewitness of Jesus' life and ministry, and he had to be an eyewitness of his resurrection. So they chose Matthias. He was a godly man. He replaced Judas as the twelfth disciple or the twelfth apostle. The Bible also says apostles were able to do signs and wonders. Okay? God gave them some special abilities. So... These guys were hand-selected by Jesus. They were eyewitnesses to His life, death, burial, and resurrection. And they had signs and wonders following them. These apostles also wrote the New Testament. Okay? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Acts chapter 2, the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to their teachings because they were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus Christ. That's why they man, they were like, I want to listen to Paul because Paul hung out with Christ. He was an eyewitness to him. I want to hear what he has to say. That's why the apostles could say what they did in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. through 4. Listen to this. The, the apostles are able to say, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 
They, they saw Him. They heard Him. They, were, they touched Him. Okay? And they were giving account. That's what they were writing about. They were writing about Jesus Christ. Now, church, some of you may be in here and you're like, man, this is just churchy talk again. It's kind of boring. I'm trying to help you understand why we believe what we believe. It's so important to understand why you believe what you believe. So many other religions, they have holy books too. But let me just give you a couple quick examples of why Christianity is so different. The Quran, written by one man. One man can have visions. One man can have dreams. And it can be from the wrong team. One man can make up all kinds of crazy stuff. This book, written by over 40 different men, over a time span of 2,000 years, on different continents. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have texting. They didn't have snail mail. Okay, They weren't able to communicate and say, hey, you write the book of Luke, and I'll write John, and let's make sure it works together. No. They were inspired by the Spirit. They weren't able to communicate with each other. They wrote the Bible, and it fits together perfectly. That's why I personally have put my belief and trust in this book over the Quran. Okay? There's solid reasons why we believe what we believe. There were eyewitnesses to Christ. I'm not just believing some fairy tale. I'm believing eyewitness accounts. So I call these guys capital A apostles. Okay, so let me ask, do capital A apostles exist today? And the answer is no. Okay, that number was set. Capital A apostles, they don't exist today. None of us are qualified to be that type of an apostle because none of us were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus here on earth. We don't have signs and wonders following us like they did and we cannot write new books of the Bible. Okay? We're not authors of the Bible because we're not eyewitnesses. That's the only way you could write a book in the Bible is to be an eyewitness and to be picked by Jesus Christ as an apostle. So in that sense, there's no apostles today. But there is the gift of an apostle. And let me explain that to you, okay? The word apostle literally means ambassador of the gospel or one who is sent out. Alright? And when I say that, one who is sent out, what comes to your mind? A missionary. A missionary. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. An apostle simply means one who is sent on a mission. It's the missionary gift. Kelly Kosky is an apostle to South Africa. My brother is an apostle to Bolivia. He was sent out to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is going to gift some to do ministry in other cultures. An apostle is one who starts churches where there are none. They go to places where the gospel hasn't been. That's what apostles do. They're, they're, they are people who are sent out. Jesus was gifted as an apostle. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus is referred to as the Apostle. Jesus not only crossed cultures, He crossed galaxies. Jesus is heaven's Apostle 
to the earth. Jesus came to save the world. And you know, the world means every nation, language, tribe, culture, every color of skin. Jesus is global in his love for all people. That's Jesus had the gift of an apostle. So let me ask you, do you have the gift of an apostle? Do you have a do you have a strong desire to reach new cultures, even subcultures in our own community? Do you have a strong desire to to start new churches? Some of you have a strong desire to go overseas and you can't really explain it. You're like, I don't know what this is, man, but I just I want to go. I want to go. I don't know where it's coming from. Man, maybe God has given you the gift of an apostle. Maybe he's calling you to be a missionary. Obviously, Jesus had the gift, but Paul and Peter also had the gift, reaching many cultures, starting many churches. And once again, I just want you to know, we don't believe capital A apostles exist today. If someone says, hey, I wrote a new book of the Bible, just turn and run the other way as fast as you can. All right? You have to be careful because some people will abuse this gift. They'll say that they're an apostle. they'll, They'll say that they have the same authority that were given to the twelve. And it's not true. So, So, man, don't be deceived. So where do you fit if you have the gift of an apostle. You're like, man, this kind of summarizes who I am. I, I, don't, I couldn't explain it, but man, I think I might have the gift of an apostle. I think God's calling me. Where do you fit? Let me just say, there's a bunch of churches that need to be started in the trans sky. That's a great place to start. All right? Who wants to go? All right, we got one. Anybody else? Chickens. All right. <laughs> So once a church has been planted, teachers are needed to make sure that people know Jesus and that people know their Bible. So the second gift that we're going to deal with today is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is the ability to understand and communicate the Bible in a clear and relevant manner so there is understanding and so there is application. That's what good teachers do. Okay? And I'm going to stress that again. They teach in such a way that there's understanding and application. There are some people who think they have the gift of teaching, but they don't. I've probably seen this with all the gifts more than any others. Like some people just say, man, I'm gifted as a teacher. I'm like, no, you're not, because nobody knows what you're talking about. All right? You don't have the gift. So you have to be careful. Let's be realistic about these gifts. Once again, you may have the gift of knowledge. You may be the smartest person on the planet, but you may not have the gift of teaching. All right? Maybe it's better for you to write your thoughts than to speak them. And let me just say quickly, just if you're wondering, these gifts are for men and women. All right? I just want to make sure that was clear. All the gifts are given to men and women. Just want to make sure you knew that. So people with the gift of teaching, man, they love to learn. In order to teach, you have to learn. You have to be a learner. The best teachers are the best learners. Good teachers, are, they're, they're good communicators, and they're really good at illustrating the truth. Teachers are always thinking about, man, how, how could they teach more effectively? They're always listening to illustrations or stories that they can use you know, to better teach 
biblical truths, whatever it may be. You know, in, in, in order to be a pastor, the Scripture says you have to be able to teach. That's one of the qualifications to be a pastor, is you have to some, somehow, in a little way, be able to teach. Jesus had the gift of teaching. Jesus was the best teacher. They called Him Rabbi, which means teacher. It says in Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29, that crowds came out to hear Jesus preach, to hear Jesus teach. They were amazed. Because like many of us, you know, they had heard lots of teachers, lots of preachers that bored them to death. But Jesus, man, there was something different. He captivated their attention. He taught, the Bible says, with great authority. They were just blown away by His teaching. And they loved listening to Him. Man, they they just couldn't get enough. In Acts chapter 18, we also see the example of Priscilla and Aquila. This was a husband and wife who both had the gift of teaching. It's a wonderful thing. Man, it's a wonderful thing in a church to have great Bible teachers. Man, you are needed desperately. We need you. And it's a great thing to have great Bible teachers. Some of you are great teachers, and we all get to benefit because of your ability given from God to be able to communicate in a way that we understand and we apply the truths of God's Word. That's what great uh, great teachers do. So where do you fit with the gift of teaching. Okay, you could be a small group leader. You could teach a class, maybe where you really dig in deeper to specific gifts or specific topics. Um, You could even be a pastor with the gift of teaching. So, do you love to teach? Man, I love it. I love to teach. Do you love to study and research? You enjoy preparing a lesson. You're pretty good at communicating what you've studied. Do you enjoy imparting truth to others? You love, man, you just love it when the light bulb clicks on in your students. You're like, ah, they got it. I mean, that's what teachers love. They love when the light bulb just clicks on. It's a thrill for you. Teachers love it when their students get it. When many of us hear teacher, I think what first comes to our mind is a picture of a classroom and a whiteboard. Okay? Some people do teach that way. But I just want to say teaching is a very broad thing. Teaching can show up in many different ways. For example, it could be one-on-one teaching. It could be accountability partners. It could be small groups. It could be teaching someone how to do a trade, how to fix their car, how to build a house. You're teaching them how to do that. How about parenting? Parenting is full of teaching opportunities on a daily, hourly minutely basis. All right? I get tired of teaching because I feel like I've taught the same thing over and over again. Other things you could do with the gift of teaching, podcasts, conferences, leadership training. How about kids ministry? One of the biggest challenges as a teacher. Try keeping their attention for 30 minutes. All right? It's truly a gift as a teacher. The next gift we'll talk about is the gift of helps or the gift of service. All right? You guys doing okay? All right. A couple of you are looking rough. (laughs) 
We're going to talk about the gift of helps or service, and this is the greatest gift of all, the Scripture says. With this gift, you help people by serving them. 1 Peter 4 says that some of us do ministry through communication, through teaching, through using our words, and some of us do ministry with our hands. That's the gift of helps. That's the gift of service. These are the doers in our church. They don't want to talk about it. Like, you're annoyed right now because we're talking too much, all right? You don't want to talk about it. Let's go do it. That's, that's the gift of service. You want to get things done. The gift of service is the ability to joyfully, the key word is joyfully, serve. Because some of you serve, but you do it reluctantly. And you're not a happy server. Kind of bitter about it. Right? And be careful how you answer that one. This is the person who, man, you like to work behind the scenes. You like to help others complete their tasks. And, and honestly, you don't really like being up in front of people. Someone with the gift of service usually has an attitude of humility, sacrifice. They're always looking to help other people. You're the one who does whatever needs to be done. I think that's a good way to sum up the gift of service. You just do what has to be done. You might have the gift of service. People with this gift, they have a serving attitude. And what's cool is they're very, usually, they're very loyal people. They're very loyal. They function really well in positions of assistant leadership. Like, man, I don't really want that top dog spot, but man, I want to help. I want to, I want to help, you know, the ministry be a success, whatever it may be. I want to come alongside those who are leading. Did Jesus have the gift of helps? Did Jesus have the gift of a servant? Man, Jesus was the greatest servant of all. And Jesus said once again, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. In John 13, Jesus served His disciples by washing their feet. Once again, God washing the feet of His creation. God doing the lowliest job, the job of a slave. So, so where do you fit if you have the gift of a servant? The quick answer is everywhere. You fit everywhere. Okay, With the gift of service, you could be a deacon or a deaconess. You could assist the leadership in the mountain of tasks that need to be completed on a daily basis. You, man, you have the ability to quickly see where people are struggling and, and you have a strong desire to help them. Often... Someone with the, the gift of service is good at many things. All right? A couple guys in our church that are gifted with service, that's kind of the joke. Like they're good at everything, but not great at anything. All right? <clears throat> Man, you could, you're, you're the person, you could, you could really play any position because you're willing and you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You're like, just what needs to be done? Let me know. I'll jump in. Now we have to be careful that we don't take advantage of someone with the gift of service. Because usually, they're not very good at saying no. With the gift of service, you have to be careful that you don't overcommit. Man, you're, you sign up for everything because you see so many needs and you start signing up for everything and then you become pretty much worthless because you're not doing anything good. So be careful what you sign up for. It's okay to say no. I would also say... That those with the gift of service, you struggle with the idea of others serving you. 
Okay? You like to serve, but you don't like to be served. You're the giver, not the receiver. And you often say no to the offer of others helping you. Once again, we're talking about the greatest gift. You may not be gifted as a servant, but let me just say, church, we all need to grow in this gift. We all need to grow in this area. My prayer is that our church will be filled with people who love to serve others. We all need to grow in this area. Lastly, all the gifted with service, you know, they're like, finally, enough talking, I want to go do something. Lastly, we'll talk about the gift of administration. Okay? Oftentimes, there's a bunch of people who want to help. There's a bunch of people who have been gifted, but it's chaos. Okay? And someone with the gift of administration comes in and they have the ability to organize the effort. The gift of administration is the God-given ability to organize and give clear direction towards very efficient operations. With the gift of administration, you're, you're really good with details, scheduling. You're, you're really good at bringing order out of chaos. You love to read the fine print. You love spreadsheets and charts and graphs. And the fact is, is you would marry sticky notes if you could. All right? I mean, you love sticky notes. You help to keep things orderly. You help to... Man, you are needed greatly. You help to keep things orderly and you help to give a little structure to help all of us use our gifts and our talents in the same direction. Because the worst thing, church, is for all of us to be gifted and we're like gung-ho and we're all going crazy. We all need to be going the same direction. We all need to be working for the same vision. Jesus had the gift of administration. He organized His ministry. He chose 12 disciples. And He had three, Peter, James, and John, as His closest friends, His closest leaders. He appointed 70. He appointed 120. He told them to go out two by two. He gave them instructions. He gave them job descriptions. And he made sure that the finances were stewarded well. Other examples of people with the gift of administration would be Joseph in the Old Testament. He used this gift to keep entire nations alive through a great famine. In Exodus chapter 18, there was a guy named Jethro who had this gift. If you remember, Moses was trying to lead over a million people and he was trying to do it all by himself. Um, they were holding court all day and everyone was just waiting in line to meet with Moses. And Jethro came up to Moses and he says, Moses, you've got to do something different, man. This isn't working. You have, to, you have to have different layers of leadership. You need to have mul you know, multiple courts. You need to have more judges. Um, Jethro came to Moses with a whole administrative plan. He was consulting Moses with his gift of administration. Titus would be another example. Man, uh, he had the gift of administration. He was helping Paul with all the New Testament churches, helping to keep them organized and going the same direction. So, so do you have the gift of administration? Man, man, it drives you crazy when things are poorly organized. 
You like everything to be in its place, orderly and neat. You like organizations. You like schedules. You, you like efficiency, promptness, all right, greatly matters to you. Some people with the gift of administration have greatly helped Grace Church. Okay? They have helped us. Some people are using this gift as we speak. They're helping us to get better organized as a church. They're helping us to provide enough structure to better lead, but not so much structure that it chokes the ministry. All right? Man, people are greatly helping us with this gift. People with the gift of administration are greatly needed. Greatly. So where do you fit if you have this gift? You could help us lead. You could help bring order out of chaos. Every ministry needs someone with the gift of administration. You could, you could serve in the area of finances, um, helping us keep good records because you have a good eye for details. You know, there's always a great need for this gift because it undergirds and enables the other gifts within the church to effectively operate. So in closing, let me remind us that the only way Grace Church will ever truly impact La Plata County is when we, not me, but is when we, the church, when we know how God has gifted us and we're using our gifts for His glory. That's why this series, once again, is called Worship. I mean, some people think, man, I thought worship... You know, it was just song and raising your hands and dancing. It involves that sometimes, but worship is so much more. God says, whatever you do, do it to my glory. Whatever you do, that's worship. The greatest way we can worship God as a church is for everyone to know their gift, for everyone to use their giftedness to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. So let me say again, let's not just play church because I'll be the first to say I'm out because I, I don't want to play church, all right? But if we start becoming the church and we start seeing lives transformed and we start seeing lives that are just train wrecks and full of addictions and abuse and, and we start seeing those marriages restored and healed and we start seeing a community changed... I'm in. Sign me up. I mean, that's, I'm trying to help us, church, to understand. Church is so much more than just this right here, right now. This is just a part of it, a small part. Church really happens when you walk out those doors and you walk out into the community. That's when you become the hands and the feet of our Savior. Let's be the church. We're the body of Christ. And when we use our gifts from the Spirit, the community will see Jesus Christ. So here's what I would ask. I, I ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how He's gifted you. I don't know if you've even ever prayed that. Holy Spirit, how have you gifted me? Can you please show me? Because I so desperately want to be used. I so desperately want to make a difference for your kingdom. I, I just I can't do it in my own power. I can't do it on my own. Can you please show me how you've gifted me and I want to do my best to use that gift to its fullest potential. Man, that would be a great place to start. And when He shows you, let me ask you to follow Him. 
He might show you a gift that you're like, I didn't want that one. (laughs) He might show you a gift where you're like, that one freaks me out. When He shows you, follow Him. Trust Him. And who knows what will happen. I'm going to invite the band up on stage as I close out in prayer this morning. And we're going to just sing a song of worship. And and Pastor Chris is actually going to come up. And we have a tool that we have here at at Grace Church called the Shape Inventory. And it's it's for you to, to help you begin to discover what your giftedness is. And he's just going to tell us about that as we uh, close out the service today. Father God, once again, I pray for my friends, Grace Church. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would save those who are far from you today. And I ask that you would work miracles in their hearts. I pray you would give them a love for Jesus and a hatred for sin. Holy Spirit as well, I ask that you would show each of us our ministry here at Grace Church. And I ask that you would empower us to do that ministry well. Holy Spirit, thank You for the gifts You give us so that we can serve like Jesus served. I pray our church would continue to be more and more like Jesus. And I also pray that our church would be filled with more and more people who are like Jesus. God, I pray You would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.